Welcome to the Atlan Humans of Data series, where we are joined by data leaders around the world as they openly share their challenges, hacks, tips, and tricks to help us all build better data teams and a better world for data. In today's episode, we're joined by Madhavi, who is currently the head of data at Bofu. Thank you for joining us, Madhavi. Thanks, Rukalpa. I'm uh, happy to share my experiences in uh, uh, the platform and uh, you know provide some insights that could be helpful to uh, different people. Yeah, we're really excited to have you join us today as well, Madhavi. Um, so to get us started, um, could you just help uh, tell the audience a little bit about your journey so far and your journey with data science? Yeah, so I have around uh, 16 plus years of experience in data science, analytics, and uh, AI, however you call this field. Field has kind of evolved to be called, called into different names. So, and all through I've been working on uh, extremely large consumer facing problems. Uh, how do we, how can data help to kind of acquire new customers? How can uh, data help to, uh, you know, retain them, you know, grow customers or uh, figure out what are the customer pain points? How can organizations respond to it? Um, I have also been part of a lot of large scales, real time, uh, as we call them, micro decisioning systems. Um, and uh, some of these systems, uh, you know, I have been part of as, uh, uh, you know, as early as uh, even 10 years back, right? So uh, I've also witnessed the growth of uh, uh, data-driven decisions being part of organizations and um, evolution of data being uh, just a support function to data being mainstream. Uh, I hold uh, around 15 patent grants in this area. I have kind of evolved over the time, uh, you know, looking at how, uh, different data gets used at uh, different organizations. Um, some of the things that I'm very closely uh, associated, that I've been closely associated with are uh, use cases in uh, e-commerce companies, banks, large financial institutions, uh, and the new age startups. That's been a fantastic journey, Madhani. I'm looking forward to hearing some of your insights around uh, building sort of great teams along the way as well. Uh, before that, do you want to just tell us a little bit about your current role and your team? Sure. I head the data team for GoFood, which is part of Gojek. Uh, Gojek is um, Indonesia's uh, largest super app, uh, and uh, uh, GoFood is the top delivery apps, food delivery apps in the world. Uh, so it's been an exciting journey um, uh, so far, and we have been doing some cutting edge work uh, in this area of uh, optimizing consumer experience uh, for food delivery. Right? So be it in the space of search and recommendations or making sure the customer gets the food on time and under uh, uh, experience overall, it, doing a lot of data solutions uh, in, in these has been fairly exciting. Got it, got it. And is your team predominantly working on data science or are you also handling analytics? And data? Yeah, it's, it's data science and analytics. Uh, I personally think uh, the, the lines have to be more blurred than what they are. Uh, I think it's somewhere people's comfort level comes in saying, hey, I want to do this type of work or this type of work. But honestly, somebody who can do both ends of the spectrum uh, is considered to be a very good data scientist. But yeah, I kind of handle uh, both the teams. Got it. That makes sense. And I know you've had a chance to actually see a very wide variety of companies up close uh, and also see, I guess, that journey at the time where people didn't really, you know, consider data to be front and central and then sort of move where big data uh, and data teams took a very central role inside Orcs. Tell us a little bit about, in your opinions, what does it take to build a high quality data team and a data team that contributes to the business? So building anything for a business starts from the business. Right. So, and building a data team also starts with data. So, 
the most important thing is to understand what kind of uh, data problems are we trying to solve and uh, having that focus kind of helps as a leader in the data space to you know understand the team that you want to build so you would typically let's say if it's a startup and they are trying to venture in, into setting up a data science team the first thing that they need to uh, really think about are the top problems that the data science team has to solve for them and also uh, you know figure that uh, could possibly give them uh, the set of talent that they need to hire so for example if the startup is into let's say core um, logistics or that kind of space you would need a set of people who are uh, first a uh, uh, you know quick in understanding data and then uh, building uh, solutions which are quick to market and then can show you quick uh, uh, you know prototypes let's say the startup is into some level of processing etc then you would want at least couple of people in your team with some image processing background right so it, that kind of helps you also to understand where to start the team from uh, generally uh, you know understand the problems uh, that should give you so let's say a size of team uh, maybe uh, you know to start with possibly a five or six member team uh, and kind of try and hire uh, people who have had experience in the field may not be in the similar domain for example if a banking or a financial services or fintech company is hiring you don't need to exactly look for a financial services domain knowledge that may not be as important as um, the smartness of any person understanding the business uh, but it is also important that um, you get people with some amount of exposures on consumer facing data science problems people who have solved that for some time people who have got exposure to different set of problems those would be the first set of people i would hire for uh, i would hire when i am building the dream especially ground up once i kind of hire that critical team maybe a three or four member strong team who are very good at data good at analysis and good at building uh, predictive solutions and were very practical in their approach um, then possibly okay kind of expand uh, you know possibly the team into two different spectrums one into more dashboarding reporting kind of area because the monitoring and keeping uh, alerting and also keeping a constant touch with the business is very important and the other side of the spectrum into research and you know we want to try out new solutions we want to try cutting edge uh, Uh, solutions etc so those would be the next areas of um, expansion of the team uh, depending on uh, you know how the impact and uh, how the impact is shaping up and what are the next set of business needs that we need to solve for a great debate that has always been on data teams is just the structure of a data team right should you do centralized should you do decentralized broad based structures tell us about your thoughts around that which models work best in what kind of organizations um, and do you have any recommendations for for data leaders that are for example just getting started with their teams sure it's a great question i think uh, we are grappling with different mechanisms um, there is advantage in both the methods having a centralized data team cater to different product teams or having a decentralized data team with a kind of a uh, functional uh, uh, organization out there uh, which data science kind of uh, becomes a center of excellence kind of team and then um and then they and then there are other people uh, in the data science uh, a few folks from the data science team goes and starts working with product in the form of bots right um so that's your centralized and your decentralized team both have your advantages decentralized teams have a lot of advantage in terms of uh, people gaining quick knowledge about the business about the product they will be able to provide very specific custom solutions and that can solve the problem well and you could create very meaningful impact at the same time the centralized uh, teams also have their own impact what so one you could seriously cut redundancy of effort especially when we are talking about in with uh, smaller teams uh, in these uh, time of pandemic when you want to build eff- efficiencies in your organization the better way to do that is to, to a centralized team 
right? Um, that can kind of understand different problems, build a solution that is more scalable. Because you're once you decentralize your team, you're not building for scale, you're building for just impact, right? So it's kind of a balance. Sometimes I've been part of cases where uh, both are operational, that there's a centralized team and then there's a bunch of decentralized team. And the centralized and the decentralized team share nodes, work in common, figure out what, what can be productized from a data science angle and what can be, um, uh, you know, what should be very specific to a business. So kind of both the models uh, work. And it also depends on how large the organization is. So the organization is already a very mature start startup with a multiple products uh, running uh, pretty independent of each other. Maybe the decentralized team could work. But if you know, the organization itself is a very close-knit startup and they have just one product trying to figure out the product market fit, et cetera, or in the growth stage, maybe a centralized team would work. I guess then the mantra is whatever it takes to be closest to the business and it depends on the size of, of the organization and, and what structure makes sense. Yeah, exactly. So very, very large organizations, let's say, I think a decentralized team could work with some centralized units. So the central unit should be there uh, in such large organizations to kind of uh, regulate efficiencies or to build uh, products, uh, data science products that can be applicable across the organization. Uh, that the central organization could be the space for innovation because um, once you become decentralized and you're attaching your teams to very specific products, there is a chance of data science becoming extremely operational and very tactical. And the innovation part of it and um, the opportunity for an organization to file IPs and patents, etc., also could get missed potentially. And hence, we want to, um, you know, keep. If it's a very large organization and you're running decentralized team, maybe you know, keep at least a pool of people in the centralized team who are constantly thinking about scale, thinking about robustness, thinking about efficiency, and also thinking about innovation. Yeah, yeah, no, that makes sense. And I think we're seeing uh, more and more of, I guess, in in some of the uh, top startups in in the valley as well. The, the structure that seems to be evolving is. A central team for with a core data science, but also governance and managing sort of right. just the assets and, and some of those pieces centrally, and then more decentralized teams where teams can have a mix of analysts and scientists as a part of the, the product units or the business units. And the hiring, for example, should come from the centralized team because you are when you hire people, you hire for a long term. Uh, to be part of the organization yeah. because you give the hiring uh, decision just to the decentralized team it gets very tactical and uh, you know people can optimize it for short-term gains yeah. so you hire talent for longer term uh, uh, towards the long broader vision of the company and hence um, the centralized team should take care of the hiring as well yeah that's a fantastic point actually so also so that you can maintain i guess the quality bar also easier to evaluate talent right much harder to evaluate like data science talent is one of the hardest talents to evaluate as well I'd love to actually talk to you a little bit about your hiring process and what you found is a great way of finding the right kind of talent as well as evaluating this kind of talent inside organizations. Like what has been, it seems like you've spent some time sort of building up these teams from the ground up. And I think yeah. what me in sort of what you said in the initial part was about how um, I get the cross-functional discipline of a data scientist, but in some yeah. ways, who's the unicorn data scientist, right? Like they... Technical skills, business skills, great communication skills. Actually, uh, what's been your mantra with hiring? How have you found these people? How have you, um, how have you evaluated if they're the right fit? I have a very simple mantra in hiring: smart, sharp, should be able to understand uh, business, right? And should be also deep enough with data and um, have good hold of algorithms. This is this is my standard formula. To hire, let's say if it's a curve and or it's a spectrum 
rightmost end of the spectrum are the research scientists and people who uh, you know could set the tone for uh, pretty long and the and the central part of these are both growth stage startups right so the center part is your practitioners they're taking that making sure that the impacts that are coming they're very practical very oriented towards data and everything uh, maybe they're not uh, you know adding your new libraries and things like that uh, to the community uh, like i said uh, analysis and people who can be pretty quick on business thinking put some rules and uh, you know um, that kind of very very fast paced response and then and the middle guys are the solid foundations they're building for a lot of products uh, they're thinking along with the business these are the people whom the business also loves to work with and then there are people who are creating solutions they're they they're creating deep solutions but but then they're turning them out quick as well right so that's the that's what i would call the practitioners bucket and then the right side of it are are where you know where there is certain let's say a product is already very mature we have done we have had some wins on that and we want to go deep in it um, you know these are your classic uh, research scientists and people who have um, you know solid mathematical uh foundations and can not only uh, you know uh, use uh, existing research but can actually contribute back to the research as well so that would be um, the hard to find very hard to find does that uh, answer your uh, question prakalpa or uh, should we go a little deeper it actually does i think that's a very interesting spectrum of looking at it where you're not necessarily saying this i want to hire a business analyst or i want to hire a research scientist you're saying let me look at the spectrum of skills that you need in a team and then right. depending on this person's skills like are they more business first uh, less on sort of the research and algorithms then you put them in more of you know the business facing quick response kind of roles and then your which which i think makes a lot of sense and even in our experience we found that being uh, the best way of hiring for data science and data like not putting them into a box and saying these are the 15 things but actually optimizing for their skills and strengths and and finding them roles that makes sense so that makes sense what have you done differently to evaluate these people like any mantras on just evaluation and hiring process that has worked for you so my evaluation is if i know the profile is a hard research scientist i ask them a very practical business problem if i get a very practical business uh, question i ask them a hard research problem well, how much you can stretch on the other side also tells you um you know how versatile this person is see at the end of it we do want people to be versatile uh, i agree some of the uh, i but my bar i lower it for for example if i'm uh, getting a uh, you know a phd or a postdoc uh, to kind of um, fill the research scientist role i do not expect the person to be uh, extremely nimble in answering a very business question but the way they think about it the way they quickly can process it and give you a bare minimum answer that fits the bill um should be good enough there but then if if there are people who are kind of not even comfortable taking the question then um you know it kind of gives me some uh you know pointers to little bit well there that's actually a great way of i guess assessing the culture fit of a data scientist and uh, so that's that's a fantastic point uh let's move from there into uh talking a little bit about how the world has changed in the last 3 to 6 months for leaders um uh, especially data leaders um you know 6 months ago every algorithm that we knew sort of stopped working right like in the last 3 months everything we knew about the world changed um it looks like a model right yeah uh, <laughs> uh what have you seen unraveling uh you know having sort of this bird's eye view both in your organization but also across the industry uh how have you seen data leaders adapt and evolve um to support the business what have you seen as the best case practices two things come to my mind uh, in terms of answering uh, the pandemic one is just look at the data and look for your silver 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 lining 
uh, and if see there are opportunities that could be presented to the business in terms of improving that area that the customer is possibly wanting today and the business could be built over it and this is a great time also to think about efficiencies right uh, how can we build efficiencies how can we build products rather than um, you know solutions uh, how can we rethink our hiring strategy also it's a great time to look at the talent with the competencies which direction will you go these things uh, you know uh, could be well thought of in this process it kind of gives you the time to think and sometimes uh, this is the best learning phase that can happen right uh, we don't learn there is no course correction now it's a big course correction here uh, the robust businesses win uh, whether we like it or not um, but that's that's the truth robustness win right so this is also a time to make sure the team uh, team talent and the vision of the data organization itself is uh, fairly robust so we did uh, we did do some of these um, in terms of uh, we did look at know how they become performing as a company what is the covid impact etc and we did find out few opportunities that we could go behind um, as a result of this pandemic we don't want this pandemic certainly but then it suddenly presented an opportunity and then uh, we kind of advised the business to kind of pick up those areas and we advised on few product features that the customers are wanting um, thankfully being in the delivery business uh, it's also can be seen um, as an opportunity uh, and hence uh, that's what we did as well and tell us about the i guess the collaboration between sort of your team and business at this point right it's a it's a crazy time it's more stressful than it's ever been before i think for any company around the world uh, and i think that role of data science and data being an advisor and a, almost a business partner tell us a little bit about what it's taken for you to nurture and build that culture uh, and how did that change or what did both your team and the business team need to do to adopt Uh, and adapt in in these situations so i'll just answer this a little more broader right that pick up this from the a lot of organizations that i worked with um, not only with uh, specific to the current organization so um, over the period i i have uh, i have always tried to put business first um, because that's where i think uh, uh, you know the problems come from and that's the uh, reason why we exist in the organization right so that is important especially in a leadership role um, that you put your stakeholders at the at the top level so um, and hence you know i've always tried to have a contact a touch point with businesses regularly um i like i said i've kind of experimented with both in centralized and decentralized way um having decentralized does bring its uh, uh, advantages especially with respect to having the relationship with businesses etc because then there there's, there's a part of a team which is very close to uh, what is happening on the ground and they are reacting to it you are not doing some extra work figuring out extra and and this is figuring out things right there somebody actually telling you what's happening on the ground and then these are the guys who are kind of telling you the opportunities and the long term uh, goals that you would also want to achieve as a data science organization so that helps having people dedicated uh, to understand the business to work with business day in and day out that helps having a regular conversation also uh, initially in my initial years i did not think this was very important uh, to have regular conversations with people uh, but having regular conversations with your stakeholders do help uh, there is always a problem uh, to nicely talk about maybe not about an immediate solution but then you know the priority right and and kind of actually getting oriented towards um, a priority at all point in time um, is is very important and it kind of keeps you very closer to the ground so that's the i think that's the key to have um, you know regular catch ups regular ears to the ground with the business and then if that is there then uh, during the pandemic also it just flows and so you you kind of feel the pain that they feel the pain you're not like very dissociated from it and hence you do the right things to do
right? You do the right analysis, you focus your predictive and AI solutions in the right forum. Maybe you cut down a little bit on research and, and start focusing uh, tactically for some time till you get your bandwidth, right? So that kind of helps. That makes sense. Uh, and are there any learnings that you had? One thing that we've spoken to data leaders about and you've, you know, had, you know, they've talked to us about how, how challenging it can be to sort of even assign goals and measure, for example, you know, OKRs and things like that for, for a data team especially because it's so tied to the business and so you need to be agile, it's exploratory. There's so many different aspects to it. Are there ways that you found as you've sort of managed a team as well? So obviously there's some things that are ingrained to you as a leader, but as you've managed your team, are there sort of frameworks that you've found to work well as you sort of, I guess, just manage the team, set goals, set targets, things like that? You know, I have had multiple views uh, over the period of time. I, at some point, goal setting does help. Uh, certainly, when it is about your deliverables, your business impact, goal setting does help. But some part of the goal also has to be given that we are in a data science field, um, given that it's a it's a combination of your left and right brain. It's important to be also creating the creative side of people. And the goals in some part of the goal setting has to be a, a little bit more free right a little bit more uh, uh, you know what to say to accommodate uh, experimentation and exploration so some part of the goal can be very fixed here you have to deliver this comfort etc but, but some part of it should have room for research exploration and um, doing something ground up right that kind of keeps people also motivated that kind of uh, gets you some wins that you actually need from a data science team right so you don't want a data science team uh, just for a mechanical output now possibly uh, you know, some engineering uh, folks with some little bandwidth here and there could certain times pull up these models. Right? But you want somebody uh, to also wear a different hat and uh, look at business from a set from the data opportunity angle, right? Uh, so and and that part of the goal, um, either at a leadership level or as a leader, you driving from the team ground up kind of helps because the team is day in and day out looking at data, they're cutting and slicing data, and they see an opportunity that something uh, that you never thought, and you don't want to keep that aside saying, oh, this is not part of my OKR, and I don't want, maybe that's a, a $10 million opportunity straight there sitting, and we don't want to just be closed about it. And hence, it's very essential to keep some part of your goal setting a little free and kind of uh, be open and say, hey, kind of bring in innovation, kind of bring in some creatives. And even if you fail, it's okay. Let's just try that in. That kind of helps uh, uh, the creative spirit in, uh, in the team. And have you done that by adopting things like, I know Google, for example, famously at one point issued the 80-20 rule. Like, are there, like, what's the tactical way of implementing this for a data science leader? Like, what can they do tactically to change in their team to make this happen? Uh, tactically is something that you work on. <laughs> you, you lead by example. So if I'm saying drive initiative, then I'm saying, oh, can this be the initiative? Uh, be driven, right? Can we look at data from this angle? Can we start working on it? And then can we um, uh, look at something like this, right? Uh, so you say examples of what you think could be the next big initiatives. And then the team kind of follows and then they come up with their own ideas as well. So it doesn't work the other way. It's not, ideas can't be created by saying just create ideas. Ideas have to have a seed, a thought to start with. And the seed and thought should come from the leadership. The leader can't be somebody who's just away from, hey, I don't even want to look at this kind of thing. It doesn't help. Um, at least I have kind of believed in a leadership format where, you know, I really know what um, uh, what is happening and what kind of data is uh, cutting in the organization. And hence, some ideas that I'm very passionate about, I drive them as my pet projects, right? And hence, can that kind of spirit helps institutionalize innovation in the team. 
So in a lot of ways, just lead by example and show people that. Especially uh, in fast-paced uh, setups, uh, where people are running to meet the OKRs and there's a lot of questions, etc. If you have to sit calmly and think, it's not easy for people to do that, right? And you have to empathize with that. So point is, you as a person should throw certain certain things, and then the spirit starts getting in. Okay, um, that makes a lot of sense actually. Now that you say it that way, uh, changing gears uh, a little bit from there. Um, what has the move to remote been like for you? So I have a, uh, a nine-year-old daughter, so I kind of get to spend more time with her, and I've been always wanting this. I, I didn't want it in this way, but yeah, like yeah, in in this situation, I mean. But yeah, it's been great for me. <laughs> yeah, I don't think um, uh, the team I talk to, other folks that I talk to, reflect the same sentiment. Uh, but yeah, uh, at the end of it, people do get uh, used to it, and I think uh, I wish as well uh, that this will be the new format. This will be the new default. Uh, so working from office will become the exceptions. I think it will happen like that. It will favor a lot of women employees. I'm sure you agree with me on this. Uh, One best way to build diversity in organization rather than having all these quota is bring encourage this. Things will automatically fall in place. Yeah, and and the productivity has been for me super awesome, right? So I'm extremely focused, and um, it's it's been it's been really really good. I, I mean, it's unfortunate the circumstances why this happened, but remote working per se um, has been an, a passionate area that I wanted. I've been I've kind of associated with a couple of startups also in this area with uh, remote uh, who who kind of help uh, organizations go remote, right? Uh, so so that that is a welcome move. I think why waste for space when things can be achieved uh, in a much better way? Of course, there are challenges. I don't know um, uh, how much ever uh, organization can sponsor, uh, you know, an internet bandwidth, etc. They cannot, for example, provide uh, undisturbed personal space. Right. So the those are some of the things we'll, innovations will take over. I believe like there must be organizations that can help. Uh, make a small space a home office kind of setup um but otherwise um, it's a welcome move and i think it's a much needed move no i think there's a startup in the us now that's already doing that i don't think it's really come to india or southeast asia yet but basically you just dial them up and they basically set up a work of like a home office for uh, for a new joining so yeah as innovation tell us a little bit as a as i guess a data leader and as someone who's been also managing a team with all this happening, right? Like chaos, <laughs> complete changes, yeah. and you know, team. Uh, tell us a little bit about that collaboration. How has what have been some of the things that you've done uh, to sort of foster collaboration? I know you talked about improved productivity in the team. So chaos is the new piece. So we have better make peace with the. Uh, chaos, right? So, yeah, and um, in terms of collaboration, especially with Gojek, Gojek has been fairly uh, spread uh, geographies. I have people reporting to me from multiple locations across the globe. So, and uh, hence, this has been absolutely no change at all for us. It's been the way we have been working uh, with distributed teams, etc. Uh, and uh, yeah, so there's been some virtual coffee sessions, etc. We do, um, where people get together and talk non-work and we are heavily encouraged to do non-work related talk, uh, so especially with all the chaos going around, etc. But uh, yeah, so I, I have also been a person who's very connected to people, um, you know, on face to face. I know their family and, you know, it gets very, uh, I, I mean, it does feel like uh, every time I worked in an organization, my team does feel like a family for me. So yeah, that sense, I would say somewhere in a remote uh, working could uh, uh, could come down. That's, I think, a, a negative of it. But but I think if people make the right effort and also 
uh, you know, talk about uh, uh, just non-related work, what interests you, etc. I think that bonding uh, still can come. Is what I think. It may it may take a longer time. Yeah, you you have a face to face chat. For example, you and me meet for a coffee. We have a face to face chat. We'll we'll uh, uh, you know establish that uh, uh, rapport in no time. And but it may take maybe a four or five conversations over uh, you know uh, over the video call uh, to kind of build that. Uh, but then still uh, the positives outweigh the negatives, and I think there could be a way. Uh, it's just a mindset, right? It's a it's a mindset of uh, uh, knowing people by uh, in person as compared to over a video call. Thinking that mindset slowly changes. Uh, these rapports can also be established, and hopefully technology will also, I guess. Absolutely, right. So it, it, without uh, technology, has been magic here. Right? Just imagine a world when uh, video calls and these things were not there. Everything would have. So this would have, yeah, like the world would have stopped right now. <laughs> yeah, world would have ended. So uh, it's literally some of these, uh, uh, you know, video conference companies, etc. Whatever economy we are running, we are running because of some of these things. Yeah, yeah that's true. Uh, on that note, given that you've also had experience being distributed for a while, even before, I guess, um, uh, the pandemic. What are your tips? Like, do you have maybe like three actionable tips for? Uh, a leader who's just sort of getting started and and you know making this transition to remote. What are three things that they should be doing that will help them you know sort of sustain the culture and create a productive work environment? Sure. So um, see, I was never into uh, distributed team management earlier here and there, but not at the scale that I'm doing today. So I was very scared when I took up this opportunity, uh, like how I'm going to work on a remote, like a distributed setup, especially. So, um, and hence, uh, I, I was uh, getting uh, really panicky about it, given that uh, nature that I, I do try to establish a very uh, thick personal relationship with people, uh, you know, who work, uh, who work as a team, right? Like, I, I do do that. So, and hence, uh, this change was a big one for me. And I, and I do realize if you have been uh, having teams working next to you, it's going to take some time to get to this. But it is not that bad. So some of the things that can be done is, um, this has been my learning so far, is a lot of documentation helps. A lot of writing and typing and AC conversations bring tremendous efficiency you will appreciate in life. Right? So um, so that's a, that's a great culture to build. Like uh, I And again, I'm, I was not a person who believed in documentation, who believed a lot in face-to-face -face communication, who thought um, great ideas can come by conversations, but no, great can, uh, can uh, things can come, uh, come by typing it and then sharing it with people and asking for their comments, right? Collaborative, collaborative document uh, spaces are great to have great ideas as well. And it gives you a lot of time to think and think peacefully. And the randomness that you can avoid, certainly somebody comes over to your desk and uh, picks you up for a conversation and then you're lost in big thought. All that does also go away, right? So it's more structured, creates tremendous efficiencies. And also, um, you know, having this rigor in documentation helps uh, helps you put your thoughts and reduces a lot of frictions I've seen. We are discussing ideas. I said one idea, you said another idea, and we're fighting over each other. Maybe we type this out. Maybe things will cool down a bit. So um, documentation, I cannot stress the importance of it. Uh, and uh, people who know me uh, would know would be surprised that I am saying this. Yeah, but <laughs> so. Uh, but that is that is one a big thing. Uh, second is also understand the, the empathy that people have their personal spaces, especially with distributed times, different geographies, people's time zone. It's very very important to respect that. Right? Um, so you would respect that certainly in an office work. Like you see a person not in the desk, you want to call the person saying, "Hey, can you come for a conversation?" Uh, but it's the same thing uh, yeah, with the distributed team also, right? So if they say so, if everybody plans their calendar well and they say this is the time I'm not available, then it's 
better not to disturb them at that point in time. And then you plan your work. Planning um, is, is extremely important and planning your calendar, making sure you have a rigor, you, know, you accept your meetings, you, you decline the months that you're not going to attend. Simple, simple things, right? Simple discipline, um, uh, you know, kind of makes it extremely easy. And um, also, uh, you know, you are, so people are assured of their time. That's another way to look at this. So if you, if you plan your calendar well, then I know when I will be disturbed and when I'm not. So and hence I have the time to work on and calendars go invites go pre um, uh, uh, days before or at least a day before uh, so it also brings the culture of suddenly if you're setting uh, an invite for evening let's say five o'clock at afternoon two o'clock you do have the culture of apologizing for such a short notice right so these things kind of uh, it's not like your time is my time you have your time and uh, you know you have your priorities and i have my priorities so it also kind of blurs uh, the hierarchy and things like that. Like as as much as I respect your time, automatically this thing of okay, it becomes like we are all playing our role. Kind of comes in the hierarchy, you know, almost blurs um, the space, right? Um, and you get very effective in feedback. Again, feedback is also more regulated. You have your feedback times, and feedback uh, is done with a lot of evidence now because there's a lot of document created. There's a lot of structure created. So um, I think documentation, planning your day, uh, and also respect everybody's time um, could be extremely important in building a great uh, great team at this um, at this time of uncertainty so I want to dig in a little bit into sort of this documentation piece that you talked about especially as someone who as as you said wasn't naturally sort of someone who would would document uh, and this is something we've seen a lot right we've seen you know I think it's a it's a big mindset shift and it takes a lot of discipline to make that shift from some, someone who, you know, often would just speak to somebody in the team and that's how you solve problems and then sort of do that documentation first approach. Tell us a little bit about two things. One, what changed in your head? Like for you to believe so much in the importance of documentation, like what did you see and what made you sort of change your mindset towards it? And second, tell us a little bit about how did you inculcate this in the team? How do you make this something that's mainstream? Okay, so the first thing, how did I switch over? One, the entire culture in Gojek was like that. So it, um, I had to adapt. But the most important thing that it was a natural thing for me to do was because I saw the efficiency of time. Just so time saving that you would just not do anything other than this. It's it's like that, right? It's so it gives you so much of efficiency improvement in your day, in your productivity. It gives you time back, which is such a valuable resource that you would do you would do this simple thing of typing a few lines and then you get used to it after that. Uh, so with the team, like I said, um, here it was not a culture shift I made, the culture itself was like that. But let's say in an uh, in another world, um, so if if you kind of say that um, if you're less available for face-to-face -face meetings, automatically people will start typing. It's a, it's a culture that has to be driven top-down. Um, it can't uh, it can't drive. I don't think it can be driven any other way. So uh, if uh, so, possibly the culture starts from the CEO, the CTO, the founders. They start doing this. Then they tell their directs to do this, and then and then from there on it kind of gets down. So nobody gets into a meeting, for example, without a document in hand, or no idea ever um, you know gets to be discussed without a document no for example no ai solution no predictive model ever gets discussed without a document in front automatically people will change so it uh, it can't be done it can't be done in any other way it has to be done top down right the ceo founder should believe because they are the most time starved people in the in, in that uh, organization right so if 
they see the efficiency and they just get a little disciplined it's at one or two day change and then it's got set in the process you set the organization for a great success and you will reduce tremendous friction that uh, happens all the time especially in high growth uh, startups because of people everybody is passionate about the company everybody wants to uh, you know take it to the next billion dollar uh, thing but this kind of really helps people and respect automatically comes yeah that makes sense uh, and just bringing that a little bit to sort of the data context uh what are the things that you're having your team document today like what is everything just name it everything one on ones uh you know uh, models ideas measurements everything a, a good documentation tool is very important um asana or something like that equivalent to that is very important. Uh, to avoid async uh, to have a lot of async conversation and to drive a culture that develops async conversation helps right um, you know unfortunately in india um, even the uh, guys who come home you know for some service your plumber and repair, they don't understand the value of async conversation i tell them ping me uh, you know some other in whatsapp or whatever don't call wait and respond keep async right so yeah, async conversation just tremendously helps we have to drive async conversation there's nothing like it, anything has to be achieved only only very critical things building relationships have to be achieved in a video call so everything has to be documented models codes uh, you know methodology thinking why something should be thought this way it makes things so simple and then you top it up with a small um, sync conversation for a small time it kind of uh, uh, drives a lot of efficiency yeah and are there things you've seen do you know also given that you sort of went into a culture where this was very mainstream uh, something we've seen and i know you've talked about this a little bit with sort of just uh, uh, you know naturally uh some cultures are in documentation first cultures right you're not you're not taught to be documentation first in yeah. uh and something we've seen is that for example some people naturally are really good at documentation right you know when they write something and they send it to you yeah. and you don't need to talk to them after that and then some people are not yeah. uh have you seen it's a practice thing i guess i'm sorry to cut you um it's a, it's a it's a practice uh, thing like when you're putting down your thoughts Uh, you're assuming that the other person that two three times uh, you ask what is it what is it then it comes in i don't think it's uh, such a big skill that you know only certain people can do i thought i think we kind of uh, somewhere after high school and college possibly we said oh writing is such a bore right and uh, we got into this fancy habit of questioning and arguments and all that but i think it's it's not so old school to go um, start writing it's good i think it's it's good and people will get it over a period of time it's a matter of uh, you know doing this practice doing this rigor yeah it's not to say your conversations have to stop how can that happen that's not what i'm saying but i'm saying a lot of unessential part of the conversations can be stopped so you could have your conversations for more meaningful extremely critical decisions no that makes that makes sense uh, i know i think you're right i think it's a mindset and i think the minute the mindset people go over the mindset i think it's it, yeah. documentation first can become a very core part of the culture um Cool. So one last question for you, Martindi. Uh, clearly, today we're all consuming more content than ever before. Uh, <laughs> what are your top three resource recommendations? Books, videos, podcasts for the humans of data that are listening. Okay. Uh, so a lot of medium posts I do read um, in terms of. So I'm currently writing a book. So I do take a lot of uh, references uh, from machine learning mastery or 
uh, even an analytics vidya uh, or um, these are things that i'm coming top uh, uh, in my mind a lot of medium posts for that matter um, you know i do constantly read them those would be my top articles of course uh, videos i used to um, follow a person called jeff heaton uh, he's a professor in washington state university i find his uh, uh videos very meaningful some of my deep learning knowledge has come from him uh yeah and uh, uh, i used to listen to a lot of videos because uh, earlier because i used to have a long commute time office now from videos i kind of more converted to paper yeah uh, that's great thank you so much for sharing that mathi finally thank you mathi for joining us today sharing your experience with the community um for all of those of you who are listening and watching thank you for tuning in uh you can watch a recording of this conversation on our website www.atlan.com or listen to it on our humans of data podcast which now streams on spotify google podcasts breaker and other major podcast apps uh stay tuned for details on our next episode and other feeling conversation hopefully full of actionable insights in the meanwhile uh, take care and goodbye